Hello everybody. Welcome to New Heart episode 1. This podcast today is brought to you by my donor. Without my heart donor, I wouldn't be here. Um, I don't know the donor's name. Sex. I don't know the donor's nationality. So I just, whoever my donor was and their family, I hope you somehow get a hold of these podcasts and are able to know that I am living a very full life with the help of your son or daughter's heart. We, that's our main sponsor. Our second sponsor is TNM Electric. And they're sponsoring our equipment. And they'll be helping sponsoring a few of our trips coming up. And there will be a link at the end of the podcast to let you know if you want to get a hold of TNM Electric. Okay, here we go. So I was diagnosed with congestive heart failure stage four in March 2009. I then, I was actually misdiagnosed because I was young. I was 34 at the time. Diagnosed with stage four congestive heart failure. Woke up in the hospital a few days later. Um, my doctor, Dr. Stuart Smith, fantastic guy, fantastic doctor, really smart. Um, he introduced me to a whole new world of no drinking, no smoking, no drugs, which some people say, well, it doesn't sound like any fun. I had lots of fun, no sodium and very limited fluids. We lived like that. I say we because my family's had to live with me and all my uh, say problems during my transplant or my journey to my transplant. And we had several issues, hard time going upstairs. We had issues with um, snow, uh, even walking to the store. Take my dog for a walk would wear me out. But I did get better. I was only given six months to a year. I got better and I got a heart fraction up to about um, 18, 19%. So I made it almost four years and the bottom fell out for my old heart. Uh, coming up in a future episode at some point when we figure out how to use this camera and we figure out how to put links in, we'll link a picture of my old heart and my new heart and the differences between them. I was transplanted January 31st, 2014. The transplant started the night before, so some people would say that was your transplant date. I stated mine is uh, 20. 14 January 31st. 
And what have I been up to since then? Well, first I started healing. And then as I was healing, I immediately went back to training. Um, when I say training, it, it's just a term I use. It's not uh, Olympic training. It's I'm not breaking any world records. I'm not some super athlete or anything like that. Although, if you ask a transplant patient, they'll tell you that it's not easy. I learned how to work with a delayed heart rate increase because of the vagus nerve being cut. I learned how to properly take my anti-rejection meds, biopsies, keep water in my kidneys to keep my kidneys from being poisoned by the myfortic and kidney transplant. I had to re-strengthen my legs, re-strengthen my lungs. Um, there's a lot of people that'll say, as soon as you come out of your heart transplant, you feel completely different. That is true for me. I woke up almost immediately after my heart transplant. In fact, my surgeon had to put me back to sleep. I was ready to go. And uh, not that I didn't like the hospital food, but I was ready for um, some different food. Since then, I have climbed up into the Rockies. I have been to national ringette tournaments. I've been to national field hockey tournaments. I have participated in jiu-jitsu. Participated. I had a great, great trainers and great training partners and, and uh, some excellent leaders. I'm still trying to get back into that swing. Um, I have rode my bike. I have gone on many a hike. I have traveled with my wife. I have traveled with my kids. I have watched all three of my kids graduate in different areas of their school that I never thought I would see again. I have been lucky enough to hold my wife's hand at a sunset on the top of the Rocky Mountains in Tumblr Ridge, which is her and I. I really never thought that was going to happen again. During this podcast, we are going to get into almost everything. We will have live recordings of, of me doing uh, different exercises. We will have live recordings of us snowmobiling and quadding and... Um, Hiking, riding bikes, family time. We're going to have interviews. I've got an interview set up with a um, an actual donor's father who donated a heart to a good friend of mine. Um, we will have both them on the podcast. That won't be till March, April, maybe actually May. <laughs> I think me. 
Um, he has also written a book, and uh, we'll be promoting the book. And his new book, he's writing another book. We will... Um, Um, we will, uh, with the help of my producer, Jessica, that's my daughter. She's trying to sort all these things out for me. And, uh, she's very patient because I'm a pretty grumpy guy most of the time. Um, when we go down to do the interview in Ottawa, we will also stop in and do an interview with another friend of mine who is in the hospital battling with uh, CMB. I have some cancer to get cut off the side of my face. We will live cam that to show people how um, unobstructive and how easy that is to get through. If we get another biopsy, uh, we will record the biopsy for everyone. And we will take this as far as we can possibly take it with interviews with many different people, um, many different races, many different religions. Uh, there's no holds barred on this podcast when it comes to different people. We are under the full understanding that you can take a heart from any sex and any race and put that heart into any other sex or any race. The only thing being is you've got to have some sort of a blood match. So if you're B positive, you're going to need a a B positive or an O positive. I better study up on that one. Don't quote me on that. Jessica, what's the uh, donor cycle there for that? I've forgotten. I used to know that off the top of my head because I was watching the list every day um, trying to figure out what type of different hearts I could get when I was in the hospital. And we're gonna I'm gonna touch on that a little bit right now, but we are gonna have episodes specifically for that. I think another thing that I'm really trying to do is have this set up for people that are coming up to a transplant. I want you to know what you're getting into. Um, I want you to try and understand the great things that can happen and that there's lots of complications that can happen. There's gonna be a lot of hard work, but the, it's worth every step you're getting a second chance. Uh, there's celebrities who've had heart transplants. C.T. Fletcher is one. I mean, that guy's an animal. And he's still very, uh, very built. Uh, I don't know that he's working out as, as hard as he, he used to work out, but he's, he's, he works out. Um, Selena Gomez, there's another one. She had a living donor. And I know of a living donor. Oh, what's this here? Look at this. We got uh, we got some info. So, an O negative can donate to anybody, and an O positive can donate to an O positive, A positive, B positive. That's me, B positive, or an AB positive. I didn't realize AB and were mixed. It might be. O negative can only take O negative. O positive can take O negative, O positive. Jessica's actually talking right now. She doesn't have a microphone, so all you can hear is a little bit of mumble. <laughs> so, um, and then you'll, if you look up this chart, 
I wish I could show it to you right now, but like I said, we don't have the camera up and going. Uh, we're going to get that sorted out, but we're a little restricted for time today because uh, my wife is training for some powerlifting, so I'm going to go down and check that out. She wants me to be a coach. I'm a great coach. I'm very inspirational. I have lots of great things to say. Um, or I'm going to make her really upset. She's going to tell me not to be her coach, so it's probably one or the other. An O negative can only receive a heart from an O negative. An O positive it can only receive a heart from an O positive or an O negative. And then you have an A negative, uh, their O negative or A negative, A positive can do uh, O negative, O positive, A negative, A positive. Anyway, I'm not going to beat this to death. Um, if you are AB positive, you can get a heart from anybody. So that means that uh, you're very lucky and lots of people would like to be you. Well, there's lots of waiting lists out there, everyone. People are waiting forever for a kidney. People are waiting forever for a liver. Don't forget you can give part of your liver. Um, you can give a living kidney, you know, and lots of people now are starting to actually do the live donor for the kidneys which is, uh, yeah, it's amazing. Um, I thought there was talk that in the United States they were going to cover, they're looking at, I got this off a transplant page that I'm on. My transplant page is my journey to heart transplant. If you want to get a look at my ugly mug and before uh, you get a chance to see this on video, and uh, we'll be doing a video tomorrow when I get home. I've got to go back out on a work call and uh, we'll do a video tomorrow night. Uh, my producer will have the camera sorted out by then. She tells me. She's never lied to me yet, so we should be okay with her. Um, okay, where was I? I get off track a lot. This podcast will be uh, me trying to cover everything. Um, I've had four open heart surgeries and two separate, separate defibrillators. I do not have a defibrillator now. Yes, I've had my defibrillator go off and yes, it is not a joyful experience. If you ask anybody who has a defibrillator, they will tell you it's not joyful. So I'm going to make a recommendation that if you ever get yourself into a situation where a police officer says to you, do not do this or I will taser you, listen to that police officer because if it is like defibrillating, there is a good chance you are probably going to pee your pants if they tase you. It's very uncomfortable. It's all right if you need it to live, but I just wouldn't recommend the other part. They made a movie on that too. Uh, the Hangover. They do some tasing in that so you can watch that one. That's another demonstration. Probably not a great demonstration, but anyway, we'll move on. I digress. Uh, open heart surgeries. The first one was to install an LVAD. I then plugged the LVAD and had four heart attacks in just under two hours. Had a emergency declotting Christmas Eve 2013. Didn't work. Did send a whole bunch of clots throughout my body though. 
and we're pretty sure that I had a little mini stroke or two in there. Um, causing memory issues from there. But I, I know a lot of transplant patients have memory issues. So if you're a transplant patient or you're about to be a transplant patient with the heart anyway, um, and you are having memory issues, don't sweat it. Uh, they're not going to go away. If you don't have memory issues, then I'm sure there's lots of people that are envious of you, but you could still use it to your advantage. You have had a heart transplant, so there are certain things that we can use to our advantage. It's only a white lie. Nobody will judge you on it if they catch you fibbing. Um, so if you are coming into transplant and you are worried about your memory after, uh, don't worry about it because when you start to worry about it, you'll forget what you were worrying about and you can just carry on and there won't be an issue. I had emergency surgery on Christmas Day and that's a whole podcast on its own, but I woke up Boxing Day. Most of you were out shopping. I had received the gift of Elvad and Arvad which come together as Bivad. That was a joyful experience. It kept me alive though. So uh, I did a lot of stuff with that. Um, and we're gonna, we're gonna get into that because I, I think there's a lot of things there that even if you have Bivad and you're stuck in the hospital, I think there's a lot of stuff you can do there that, that um, uh, will keep you moving forward towards your transplant and get you healthy. I had my transplant, uh, woke up. Early, doctor put me back to sleep and I woke up around 7.30, 8 o'clock in the morning. The following morning, um, with some considerable convincing from my wife and the nurse, I was standing up at the end of the day and the next morning I was up and ready to go, released from hospital 11 days later. I would have been out seven days, um, which was kind of a wreck. I had a little bit of a competition going with a couple of buddies of mine in there. And, I had already broke a couple records in there. First one out after LVAD, first one back. Quickest time to clog an LVAD. Quickest time to clog an LVAD to 98%. And quickest one up after transplant. So those are some pretty good uh, records. And uh, the day I left the hospital, I went to the keg, had a big steak and a baked potato and some veggies and I was able to eat almost maybe half the whole meal <laughs> I uh, my stomach had shrunk I was down oh, I don't know 50 pounds 60 pounds I'll have to look back and the um, I can't think of the word there's the memory thing I was telling you about. Rehabilitation started at that point there. The day that I got out, I went against everybody's advice. I went for a nice long walk around the mall. And then um, I was lucky I had family in Toronto where I had my transplant and I don't have permission to use any of their names, so I'm not gonna use their names. And uh, I was very, very lucky I had a house to go to um, Stairs were a real issue after transplant. Um, so basically, 
I would do this walk around the mall. It was midwinter. So I would, you know, I didn't want to slip. I didn't have a lot of strength in my legs due to uh, being bedridden for two months. I started my rehabilitation immediately getting out of the hospital. I'm glad that I did. It's been up and down ever since. I find that injuries stay a lot longer. Um, you have to learn, in my opinion, uh, to get well-rounded. Um, you have to learn how to properly train with your heart rate and the lack thereof at some points. You have to learn how to, you know, I had to learn how to re-eat. And I've done that a couple times because when I got out, I could actually, you know, have an ice cream again because before I went in, I couldn't really have ice cream. It was high in sodium and it was a liquid. So when I got out, all of a sudden I was allowed to have ice cream again. So I put on a whole bunch of weight and uh, I lost it. I'm up a little bit now, but I just came off of, of kind of an injury and, and, a, and a rough few months as far as injuries and work and everything went. Um, I strayed a little bit from the cause and what I like to do. This is one of the reasons why I started this podcast because I've been wanting to do this now for two or three years and I finally just got to it. Um, we also got back into the gym and started with the weights, started a little bit of weights with the chest, realized that was a bit of a stupid idea. Um, uh, started training differently. My, I, I trained my chest differently, but I got my legs going. Um, we're going to, we're going to have a podcast on, on the, the training of the legs for transplant patients. And uh, how important I think it is. Uh, my legs are the backbone for my activity. So if my legs are healthy, if I get my legs going and I get blood pumping through them and everything, I'm, I'm going to have a really, really good day. Even if I have a migraine when I wake up in the morning, uh, if I'm really heavy with water for some reason and I get my legs going, then they will uh, generally clean my system right out. They'll, they'll get me going to the bathroom, like urinating, and that blood flow will get rid of my headache, aches and pains, and I will start to actually feel human again. I know that's an issue out there with the transplant patients. I know that that's an issue with headaches, trying to get up in the morning, having these smashing headaches, not even being able to look into the lights or go to the bathroom, and then you're worried about taking your meds because, you know, what happens if you... You throw up, then you've lost all your meds. You don't know where they stand at. For a transplant patient, not knowing where your meds stand at is uh, generally an issue with with most people that I've ever talked to. It is with me. So we're going to go through that. Um, and we're going to go through everything else. We have a email address. It's long. Um, so we're going to try and have it set up. Uh, my Instagram is newheart2014, and you can get a hold of me there. I'm not on Twitter. My daughter tells me I should be on Twitter, but Twitter to me seems like an absolute disaster. And every time I hear anybody talk about Twitter, it sounds like a place that I have no use to be on. I'm on a little bit of Facebook, and uh, it's my journey to heart transplant. You can come and check me out there and 
and uh, do some likes. If you know anybody who's having a transplant, you know anybody who's had heart issues, you know anybody who's you know going to go in and have a stint or whatever else, um, we're going to cover stuff like that. They can get a hold of me. There's a lot of life after a heart transplant. And I know that in some places, you know, there's there's medical concerns and there's there's people that can't get their prescriptions covered and all sorts of nonsense like that. Uh, we're from Canada. Um, our surgeries are covered, our meds aren't. But uh, I'm pretty lucky. There are organizations that will help out. My wife has benefits, so most of our meds are covered. Um, the province that I live in, they cover the, the big ones, the expensive ones. So they cover the myfornic and the prograph uh, as part of the, the healthcare system in this province. So, you know, there's, there's that part. Um, I'm in touch with a few different organizations. I'm going to get more in touch with them this year. We will be at an archery tournament in Saskatchewan. I forget when shoot for the vitals. There's another organization. That's an excellent transplant organization. Those guys are great over there. They're doing a fantastic job uh, promoting it. They, I know that they've got a, a fellow over there waiting for double lung. Um, let's hope that uh, he has Godspeed in being able to to come up with that uh, the golden lung. I'm going to get into. Uh, I'm going to have a couple of podcast interviews down in BC. There's a young lady doing jiu-jitsu. I'm going to try and get a hold of her. There's a living donor, a living liver donor down in BC. I'm going to try and get a hold of that person. And I've got a couple people in another part of BC that's pretty close to us who are both nurses. One is studying to be a, a cardiac nurse. So she would be a, a specific transplant nurse. And another nurse is um, has actually suggested organ donation a couple times, and she has uh, some interesting facts about that. But I actually have that on the YouTube page, that particular interview, but it wasn't a very good interview because we were down there doing Operation Popcorn, which is something BC Transplant does. So I'll run down to that hospital, give them a bunch of popcorn. Rocky Mountain gives us the popcorn for that. There's another great, great spot to get uh, some stuff for your sweet tooth, that's for sure. I hope everybody out there who is coming into a transplant or has a transplant is healthy. I hope you all are making it through the daily struggles of having a transplant, the ups and downs, the ins and outs. We'll be touching on CBD oil, um, non-THC for right now. Uh, that's what I use. Um, I find it takes a, a massive edge off the anxiety and the depression, but I, I do find that it really helps with soreness in the knees. And uh, my legs are pretty beat up from my transplant excitement. Uh, we will go through that, but I find the CBD oil really, really tames that out. There's, there's always a lot of questions, and there's a lot of questions from the families. There's, 
how is this person going to be after transplant? How soon can they get back to work? How, how sensitive are they going to be to getting sick? These are all questions that we're going to tackle on this podcast. And there's going to be, you know, it's going to be honest on the podcast. I'm going to give the honest answers. Like I think sometimes people push a transplant patient too far, even in the hospital. How quick, how quick is he going to get back to work? Well, how about, how about we get out of the hospital first? I mean, there have been times when people have been sitting in the hospital, they've been doing great three or four days later, the bottom falls out. You know, this, it's, this is a major change in your life. It's an excellent change. I think I've said this and I'll, I'll say it again. If the whole world could be in the same spot as, as our transplant patients and some of the people I'm following on Instagram, stem cell transplants for, for cancer and, uh, all those women out there that are fighting breast cancer and melanoma cancer. That's another nasty, nasty cancer. There's lots of nasty cancers. These are just the ones I'm familiar with. So uh, leukemia is another one. If I don't bring up your cancer, I'm sorry. I, I, didn't, I didn't do it on purpose. Uh, cancer is nasty, nasty. I got a little bit of cancer, but it's just a minute one. And those people are going to tell you from experience that you're looking at a couple extra days that you didn't think you were going to get. You're going to take them. It's a mean battle. It's a, it, it can get just downright dirty at times. There's blood everywhere. Your, your, your catheter gets infected. Your throat catheter gets infected. Your pick lines aren't reading properly. You're, you're th- I was throwing up blood and everything else, but then all of a sudden you get that heart transplant and now you got just a little bit of hope that's what we're going to concentrate on is the hope we're going to talk about all the nasty stuff that comes along with it there's a lot of kids out there there's a lot of babies out there that that need organs we're going to talk about organ donation i'm going to try and track down um hopefully uh uh husband and wife or just a mom. I mean, you know, it doesn't really matter. It could be just a mom. We're just a dad. We're both. And if they've donated their their child's organs, that, that's a conversation that uh, I think everybody should hear. I think that's a, that's a conversation there that is really, really quite moving because we don't think of our children ever leaving our side, you know. So that's another one. Um, I've got a couple of uh, furry critters that live in my house. So we'll discuss having pets. We don't have any cats. I'm not really a cat guy. I'm told we're not supposed to have cats. But I've got a couple little Cocker Spaniels. Um, One's cross-eyed and the other one walks crooked. But uh, they're great dogs. I never have any issues with them. As far as germs or anything goes, we're going to discuss that. So that was a pretty, pretty long, broad overview. How long are we into this? 32 minutes. 
So that's 30 minutes of me rambling on about all the stuff we're going to cover. So I think we'll just leave it at 30 minutes for today or whatever we're at there. And uh, if you're coming into a transplant of any kind, stay positive. The, the fighting you're doing now and the hope that you have now is worth it. I always like to say when we're in this situation, it's better to die on our terms than somebody else's. Don't give up. Don't stop fighting. You know, if you're supporting that person, support them right, right to the end. Let them fight it right out, right to the end. Let them go. Let them have it out. And that way that person, you know, I, I'm the same. If I had died when I was in the hospital before I got to that transplant, at least I died on my terms. I died fighting. I left, I left a good example for my kids. I left a good example for my wife, anybody else that was in touch with me. So let them fight. And look forward to coming out the other side. I know it's a long wait. It's anxious. It's stressful. But when you come out the other side of that transplant, you know, you're going to forget some of that stuff. But it'll always stay true when you wake up in the morning. You know, I'm, I'm always thinking about my donor. Sometimes you're going to stop in your tracks, think about your donor and how lucky you are to you know, be standing here, you're, maybe you're watching your daughter laugh so hard that she snorts, she can't even stand up anymore, and you're thinking, geez, you know what, I, I could have missed this. Or your kids are horsing around, or your feet are hanging off the side of a mountain somewhere, and you're watching the sunset. It just gives you a whole new perspective on just how fantastic this life really is. So to all you coming in to transplant, all you people that have had a transplant out there, young, old. I wish you nothing but the best. And I look forward to talking to you again real soon. And like I said, we'll try and have some video on the next, next one so you can see my ugly mug and the expressions on my face. And God bless you guys. And always just stay positive about what you're up against. You wake up with a headache, stay positive. It's going to go away. If you're out of breath, stay positive. You'll be able to get rid of it. Don't stop fighting. Never stop fighting. And do it just because we can. All right, we'll see you next time.